You are listening to the sermons of Concordia Lutheran Church, located at 3144 South Home Avenue in Berwyn, Illinois. We invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 9 o'clock a.m. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Divisions happen quite a bit between all sorts of different people. We see divisions in communities, in countries, in different countries around the world. In fact, I think a lot of us uh, are nervous about some of the divisions that we see, at least with the people that I talk to. Divisions aren't new, of course. They've been around for centuries. Divisions between different races, different kinds of people, between Jews and Gentiles. And today, we're going to talk about the divisions in the city of Corinth. Corinth, way back in Paul's day, was a city that was obsessed with status. Nobody would be like that today, of course. They were obsessed with all sorts of things. They were, they were looking for uh, ways to look really, really rich. They were looking for ways to appear powerful, spiritually awesome. They uh, adored people who had great wisdom. They followed people who, who could speak in amazing ways, wonderful speakers. And the whole city was looking towards that sort of thing. And it was the same in the church. The church was divided along the lines of those who appeared powerful and those who appeared weak. We see divisions between those who were rich and who were poor. Um, I bet you didn't know this, but often back in the ancient days when the churches were first starting, there would be a, a rich person or a couple of them that sponsored the whole church, paid for everything. And in Corinth, his name was Gaius. Gaius was a rich man. In fact, he was probably wealthy enough that the entire congregation could gather in his home for worship. Some have estimated that would be as many as a hundred people. So can you imagine having in your house a room about this size to seat a congregation or gather together in worship? Yeah, that's how rich this guy was. There were divisions between the people like him who thought their wealth was something special and the poor. We see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 in the way that they did the, the Lord's Supper is that the, the rich and the powerful would go in and they would get the, the most of it. They would rush in and eat a bunch and drink a bunch. And St. Paul criticizes them for some people getting drunk and some people having nothing. And he says, how can you shame the poor who have nothing? We also saw a division between those who thought they were wise and those who they thought were not. We saw a division between those who were spiritually powerful and those who were not. In Corinth, one of the, the big deal things as far as spirituality among the pagans was that they would have these ecstatic experiences and they use the word ecstatic differently than we do. We use it like you're super happy. For them, an ecstatic experience was like a spirit would possess you and you would behave in, in crazy ways that are totally different from what you would. And you'd have visions and speak for spirits and all that stuff. And in the church of Corinth, many Christians would do things like that. 
speaking the sort of Pentecostal uh, speaking in tongues kind of thing. And the Corinthians thought that those people were better than the people who didn't do that. The spiritually strong and the spiritually weak. And St. Paul talks to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 when he talks about how all people in the body of Christ have the same value because they're all part of the church and in Christ, even though they might do different things. The Corinthian church was divided between the strong and the weak. And St. Paul talks to them today to tell them that they're these things that please themselves, that they see as major differences mean nothing before God. This is what he says. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise, according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. What Paul is doing is he's putting the people that they thought were amazing in the same category as the people they thought were terrible. The rich and the poor, they have the same calling. The spiritually strong and the spiritually weak, the same calling. The the wise and the foolish, the orators and the stumbling, all the same calling. Why? Because those things that they thought were special mean nothing before God. The rich, they're sinners just like the poor. The spiritually strong are sinners just like those they thought were weak. Everybody was the same. The only thing that mattered was Jesus. Jesus, who died on the cross for them just like he died for you, who calls them all the same way just like he calls all of us and gave life to every one of them equally the same way he does for us. Those divisions don't matter. In fact, St. Paul tells them that God's calling for the poor is there to show the rich that their riches matter for nothing. God's calling of the weak is to show the spiritually proud that their spiritual power matters for nothing. The only thing that matters is Jesus dying and rising for you. We Americans, we can be obsessed with status too. I did a chapel service a while back at uh, Walther Academy, and uh, I asked a question. I didn't actually expect to get a response, but I asked the question, how many photos do you take before posting one on Instagram? Something like 30? It's a lot, right? Why? Because they don't want candids. They want their best face forward. They want people to look at their photos and say, wow, that person has an amazing life. And we can see it in the the TV we watch, too. We're more interested in keeping up with the Kardashians than we are in keeping up with with, uh, current events, right? Because we want to see the rich and the powerful so we can be like them. We want to show ourselves to be strong. 
And sometimes that extends into our relationship with God. So we look at our lives and we can be pleased with ourselves. Just like the guys and gals in Corinth were pleased with themselves. We can say to ourselves, I come to church every Sunday and I volunteer. I'm on the council or in a committee or I'm an usher or whatever. That must count for something. I'm not like those other guys. I give to the church every Sunday. I'm even signed up for electronic giving, so when I'm out of town, it goes into the, goes into the coffers anyway. That must count for something. I'm not like those guys who aren't. I come to church. I'm here no matter what, because I know I need God's grace. That must count for something. I pray every single day. I read my Bible. That must count for something. And then we get pleased with ourselves for the things that we do. We point to all our discipline and all our habits and all the activities, no matter how wonderful they might be as good spiritual practices, and says, that must count for something, right? But it doesn't. In fact, the moment we become pleased with ourselves is the moment our spiritual power starts to lead us away from Christ. Because it's not the rich who think they need the riches of Christ. It's the poor who know they do. It's not the strong who think they need healing from Christ. It's those who are broken. It's not the weak who need the, who, it's not the, the uh, powerful who know they need the power of Christ. It's the weak. It's not the wise who know they need the wisdom from Christ. It's the foolish. And when we're pleased with ourselves, we don't think we need anything. But we do. We do need something because it doesn't matter who you are or how much you do. It doesn't matter how strong you are or how much you serve or anything like that. All that matters is you're a sinner and Jesus died for you. And it is not your strength, your habits, your service, your life that matters. It's his righteousness. And that's what St. Paul says when he talks about what God does. He says, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. He chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. He chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. So no human being might boast in the presence of God. And what God does instead is he gives us Jesus. That's what the baptism of the Lord is all about. When Jesus comes to the, the Jordan River to be baptized by John, he comes to take our place in the, in the life of a Christian. He comes to do it perfectly for us, even taking on the repentance that we're supposed to do. And he follows that for the rest of his life, living like we should until he dies on the cross to take on 
your sin. Because it's on the cross that Jesus shows us how much power we have. None. Only he can give life. And what he gives us in exchange when he goes to the cross, instead of giving us punishment, divine punishment from God, we get the amazing things that happen to him on baptism. The Holy Spirit comes down on you, and you get to hear, you are my son, with you I am well pleased. And we get Jesus' amazing life and power and righteousness. And so, where we are weak, Jesus is our strength. When we are foolish, Jesus is our wisdom. When we are broken, Jesus is our healing. When we are spiritually weak, Jesus is our strength. So that when we boast, we don't say, I'm pleased with myself. We say, I'm pleased in the Lord. In his name, amen. Thank you for listening to the sermons of Concordia Lutheran Church. For more information about getting involved, please visit concordiaburwin.org. Like us on Facebook at Concordia Lutheran Church and Little Lambs.